You're listening to 3CR Radio. How deep is your love? It is four after four. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with David and James. Hello, hello. You are, hello. <laughs> yes, you are on you In are Your indeed. Face on 3CR. Yeah. Um, hi, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our guests. We've got Matt Parsons I... and Russ Vickery talking about my other closet, the cabaret. Yes, all of our guests today I'm very psyched for. Yeah. A lot of, crea- lot of creativity. Yeah, they'll be in the studio at 10 past four and mm-hmm. at 4.35, Naveen... Abdelati will be joining us. She has just got back from San Francisco. She's mm. a queer woman of colour, a mm-hmm. DJ. Uh, she plays trumpet with Candy Royale and the Freed Radicals. And she's DJing this weekend in Honcho here in Melbourne. So it'll be good to have a chat with her. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, her music, actually. Yeah. And how do you rate it? 
Uh, oh, uh, quite highly, actually. <laughs> That's why she's on the show. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think before we do that, I'm going to go to a track. Um, I'm going to take us way back in time. And it's kind of daggy, but I don't care. Which decade are you taking uh, us oh, to? Oh, to the 80s. It's not that oh, far okay. back. Breathe a sigh of relief. It's not like, you know. Yeah. Pre-mobile phones, but What's that? post like... When was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't really have one, do you? Do you even have a phone? I do have a phone. Absolutely. You do? I just I just choose to not be strapped to it. Right. Yeah, you know, some I, people carry it around like it's their little pocket. Locket, yeah, you're not really a phone person, are you? You're well, really a... you know, no one talks on them these days, anyway. Well, so. that's true. Yeah, I think that the, the, the millennials, I don't think they know how to communicate with each other. I just think they don't. And if it's not in text form, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then there's sexting, but that's like a whole other thing. <laughs> James, I can, I can, she's I like, can, I, can, I can relate to that. I could, I could live with. Oh, sexting. you know what sexting, I know what sexting is? is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, I have been sexted. Right, so you don't like talking on the phone, but you do know it's... Maybe you are a millennial. Maybe you're not actually... A, you're in disguise. <laughs> yeah, that plastic surgery's gone down real it's well. It's worked a treat, has, I'll tell you yeah. that much. Yeah, I want the name of your surgeon. Um, okay, so I'm going to play a Paul McCartney track because a very wonderful man in my life has actually surprised me. My, my crappy, miserable life perked me right up on Tuesday. Have they made that? Bought me a ticket to Paul McCartney uh, in December of this year. Not with wings. No. <laughs> well, no. Is he solo or is, is he, he with wings these days? What's the story there? Well, he's solo. He's, I'm pretty sure he's solo. I mean, so he's solo. Wings he's not with whole, wings. No one pre- ever remembered that but, anyway. but I'm about to play a wings song. And that's, oh. You're not a wings fan. Well, I was when Linda was Actually, alive. Actually, no, it's not a wings song I'm playing. No, no, no. It's Paul. It's Paul. But, I mean, who the hell knows? Who cares? It's all him. He writes all of it. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know who he's going to have. But, it, I, I, yeah, it won't be... Um, Obviously, well, did you just mention Linda? I did. I was a bit of a Linda fan, actually. She was the heiress to Kodak. Did you know that? What? She was a Kodak heiress. Kodak is in what, the the film, the camera. Well, like mobile but, phones, but, you know, they're oh. kind of well, well, unlike mobile phones, really, because oh. who, whoever thinks of getting their prints developed these days? I, well, um, you had I, to think I, twice. I, well, right, Kodak. You're thinking Kodak. What was that? It's well, an Echo. Wouldn't Echo, I need a camera Echo. first? <laughs> exactly. You need a camera. We've right, got a well, phone for that. No, that's way too fancy. Way too complex. Way too complex, yeah. All right, so I'm going to play, where the hell is this song? Uh, it's Paul. Yeah, it's not Wings. Why did I say Wings? Because you suggested Wings. It's just Paul and it's like his album, like early 80s. It's The, the track's called Wanderlust and there's that 80s compressed drum thing happening, which I hate, but I do like the track. Anyway, thank you to the to – the <laughs> thanks for uh, the ticket this week that I just scored. Thanks to the person. I'm just waiting for it to crank up. Is it not loud enough for you? That's the track. <laughs> Don't diss this song. <laughs> <laughs>
Paul McCartney, Wonderlust. Yeah. It was a love song about a ship, apparently. Really? I think so. Did I don't sink? know. It might have been a euphemism, but I, I'm pretty sure it was about a ship. But look, that's, that's, that's as much as I know about it. Let's not go into it. <laughs> we have two great guests in the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. They are Matt Parsons and uh, Russ Vickery. Uh, their production, Maya the Closet, the Cabaret, is coming up here in Melbourne real soon. Going to be playing at Bella Union. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Nice to be here. Okay, guys. So, uh, yeah, looking at your bios, so the, the domestic violence is an, a, a really personal uh, experience for both of you. Mm. Um, Matt, maybe we'll start. We'll, we'll start with you first. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. What we wanted to do with the play is take both of our experiences of you know really negative experiences and turn them into a positive, where we could use that um, use that knowledge and that inner. Um, uh, that insight um, into the experience and translate that into art that we could use to help others. So um, about five years ago, Rusty and I decided that um, we would focus on uh, one project together. We'd been doing a lot of individual um, queer productions um, and thought, well, let's pick something that we can really sink our teeth into and that we can really focus on that that we're passionate about. So we came up with the idea of a cabaret using mm. Russell's um, real-life story of his um, experience of domestic violence in his first gay relationship. Um, and, yeah, I kind of thought a cabaret about DV, that's crazy enough to work, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed it's like part entertainment, part community education campaign. Yeah. How difficult was it to kind of merge that? And I guess the cabaret helped? Yeah, well, I mean... Cabaret's always been uh, a really political uh, tool. Um, people think now of cabaret and they just think Liza Minnelli. Um, but that's just the aesthetic of that time, you know. But it, the cabaret was and always has been about, um, you know, really shining a light up to the world and, and using that art form to go, this is what's happening, um, you know, if you just peel back a couple of layers. So, um, so yeah, we, we chose cabaret as that format. Rusty just happens to be a really talented singer and, um, you know, we... The balance was really about um, making sure that all the way along we made decisions that gave the show integrity. Um, so while we use the the cabaret idea as a theatrical device, because the truth was that Russell um, always used singing as his kind of coping mechanism during the time, as well as his healing tool afterwards. So we're able to use that as a theatrical device to explain why he's talking to you directly in the audience and then he's putting on glittery costumes and bursting into song right. because um, the cabaret is his fantasy. It is his second closet. He's um, created this fantasy world to cope. And if he just keeps singing and dancing and singing and dancing, he convince you and convince everybody else that everything's fine. Um, so that's the tension for the whole first three quarters of the, of the show is um, that kind of who we call Liza Barelli. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Who's um, that character? That's the coping mechanism, um, and the audience is kind of they're drawn into that because they are they are his fantasy, and so he's speaking mm. to them directly. Russ, could you tell us a little about your character story? My character story mm. was somebody who entered into uh, a relationship with somebody, um, and I guess you know. Part of the reason why I'm so passionate about putting this together is that, you know, looking back at it, um, it was most definitely a DV relationship. But while I was in it, I didn't have any words to use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we spend a, a whole lot of time um, in, uh, in, you know, in relationships and um, as LGBTIQA Plus, Plus people. <laughs> Lots of letters these days. Oh, how, <laughs> how it, grows, the aid. Yeah. it grows all the time. Yeah, it's I growing know it all does. the time. Yeah. We, do, we do talk about that in the show too. Um, anyway, um, you know, you spend a whole heap of time um, as, as um, people in our community um, who, you know, we've fought for relationships and we've done an acceptance of our relationships and whatever. The very last thing you want to do after you've gone through the whole process of coming out is have to come out again and say, oh, hang on, you know, I, this, this wasn't the best choice that I could have made and my relationship is actually toxic. Because you were in yeah. a 17-year straight relationship, then you entered into a gay relationship and it was 
domestic violence riddle. That must have been incredibly painful and confronting and really difficult. I'm diverse, aren't I? You are. Yeah, I'm diverse. Um, I didn't have words for it. I didn't have words for it. And so, you know, in this show that we've put together, you know, one of the main purposes from my perspective is to give people the words to use, to know what's going on if they're in that sort of relationship, to, 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 to give it a label, if you like. What words would you use? Terrible. Like, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Well, and, and we know that that's, a common, um, that that's common across the queer community. Um, so I also work as my day job or my side hustle when I'm not doing cabarets um, as, as a researcher at the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society. And, and um, so in what we do know for queer people is that exactly what Russell said, that kind of pressure that we've spent so long um, as a community going, our love is equal and valid and we're not mentally ill, that it's then very hard to admit and there's a pressure to have this these perfect relationships right and also because of the dominant discourse mm. around um domestic violence and not only is that a taboo topic in itself but when it is talked about it's talked about as men's violence against women and so um when it is happening to queer people um they themselves aren't very good at recognizing it um they can disclose several times to professionals and they don't recognize it friends family people just don't recognize it because they think domestic violence and they think oh that's a man hitting a woman so when it's two mm. two men or two women or or you know people of diverse genders then um suddenly it, it, people just blank and it's it's not picked up you, you work as a researcher mm. uh so is gender a factor here like are instances in in same-sex relationships are instances higher um in a male same-sex relationships yeah. more than i'm just curious yeah most of the research shows that um that everything is at least equal across mm-hmm. um, different types of relationships or different genders. Um, some, some research is, is pointing towards that perhaps um, it's higher for lesbians um, and higher again for um, trans people. Um, and that tends to um, that tends to be related to a couple of um, factors. One is, um, you know, the more disadvantage and discrimination that a person faces, um, the lower their barometer is for what is normal acceptable behavior um, and the less tools they have to be able to spot that early and and be able to um, you know do something about it mm. um, so that's that's what the research is pointing us towards but it's it's an area that um, really has only been looked at um, here in Australia for the last 10 years or so um, and here in Victoria only very recently has um, the sector kind of been pulled together post Royal Commission and we're starting to really move on this issue um, with a more collaborated approach rather than just you know know vac and drummond street services queer space doing their own thing and and people only finding their way to them through the queer grapevine Mm. so i mean it's really not it's really not something that's discussed openly um i I mean we should be discussing it more for uh, women you know we know the numbers the statistics of women um being the victims of domestic violence but i mean do you think it is because you just touched on it before that the idea that um in same-sex relationships in this society they're not thought of as valid um as heterosexual and by some (laughs) yeah right Is it, do you think that's really what's going on here? Why it's not as um, discussed as openly? I think definitely that's a factor. Even in us, um, as we've been producing the show, you know, we've had conversations with people, some some close friends who are going, uh, you know, oh, should you really be doing this right in the lead up to a possible plebiscite? And we're well, going, well, yes. actually, that's yeah. that's yeah, you have had pressure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and, yeah. and um, you know, that's uh, further silencing and uh, erasing these people's experiences, and that's that's really dangerous. And, you know, I, I tend to think or we tend to think um, that, you know, true equality is recognizing that we're all capable of fabulous, amazing, respectful, loving relationships, but we're also capable of toxic relationships. That's yeah. humans. Because mm. I imagine it's a, it's a confronting thing for some people to talk about in light of the marriage equality campaigning. Yeah. You have had pressure to kind of, you know, perhaps do something more politically correct. Uh, uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, uh, politically correct, an inter- interesting word. But I mean, we, we, I have, we've talked about in interviews before that idea that we might be giving ammunition to the other side. And even uh, we've seen on anti-marriage equality websites, our um, promotional material quoted word for word, even leaving that quote in saying, there's a pressure not to talk about this because people might think it's, uh, <laughs> you know, ammunition for the other side. But, you know, domestic violence in, in straight relationships is, is incredibly high. Mm-hmm. 
um, and statistically higher in the numbers, you know, of who's experiencing it. And we're not questioning whether they can get married. And they Mm -hmm. literally didn't even take that quote out. They just plugged that into their thing as well. And you could argue that the marriage (laughs) equality campaign is actually sucking oxygen away from issues like domestic violence and meaning that it's more likely to be in the closet. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think it'll be really interesting one day when we get to when we achieve marriage equality. And then I would love to see where the energy gets put into next. I think there's a lot of other stuff that um, LGBTI people face. Mm. I want to go back to your show for a moment. So um, the reworked classic pop songs in this show. One of I'm going to play one of the tracks after the interview. Um, so Daryl Wallace uh, was the musical director yeah. on this. Yeah, yeah. Daryl. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, like, how did you choose the tracks, for instance? Yeah. And what are they? That's what yeah. I want to know. What well, you well, you have to come to the show to find the tracks um, or to find the songs. But, you know, there is not a show in that – sorry, there is not a song in the show that you won't recognise, mm-hmm. right, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, there's they're all very relevant to the process of – the survivor, if you like, all the way through. So That's a bit of a clue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we, we, we wanted specifically, again, a major focus with the show is building um, people's empathy and understanding for what this, not only what it looks like from the outside, but what it feels like from the inside. And music's incredibly powerful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we wanted people to relate to Russell's story. So hearing a song that you already recognize mm-hmm. and you go, oh, whoa, he's doing um, this, that song. this song that I recognize, yeah. but in a totally different way it's like really broken down and now it's super sad and then you're listening right. to the lyrics for so the you first interpret time them and, quite differently yeah, to the original absolutely yeah. I mean, but right. absolutely. some of them we've done that and others yeah. like for instance i will give a couple away um, i was going to ask know. his well, favorite my, my name your is favorite russ my, my 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 very favorite song in the whole show is uh luca um, by suzanne oh, vega, by suzanne suzanne vega hey. except it's Called Russell in the show, right? Um, well, an because it's my name is Russell. Yeah, and oh, we right. go through that that whole and song in very. Very you listen to that song, and actually listen to the lyrics. Whilst it's a very catchy '90s pop song, she's actually point blank describing a domestic violence situation. She's saying, "I might live upstairs for you. You uh, you might have heard me before. If you hear something late at night, some kind of trouble, some kind of fight, just don't ask me how I am. Just don't ask right. me how I am. I ran into the door again. Like it's she's flat out describing domestic violence. So and instead of singing it with the speed, she does it." Like, it's a beautiful, soft ballad. Mm. Mm. So, so it, are, you, are you planning on recording these these songs? Uh, that's, there's a whole heap of copyright <laughs> we, we stuff going on We actually can't. We can oh, perform can't. them live under an APRA license, but yeah. we can't okay. actually produce yeah. the show really? for, for a video. Really? You can't do a... too much to not buy without, Not without millions of dollars yeah. to purchase yeah. copyright. Too many royalties <laughs> to Suzanne Vega. Yeah. Yeah. Do some crowdfunding. How high can it be to raise a million dollars? Plus. Anybody listening out there who's got a lot of money, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think it would be. It would be. I, I, I'd like to hear the. Well, I'm going to see the show. But so what? They're sort of like a jazz, a jazz version of these well, tracks. It, well, they're all sort of. Like they a- all fit into different places, and so they're all done quite differently, right? Mm. So um, yes, there are some ballady ones, and there are some. There are some that are uh, have a, a little bit of a jazz flair, and then there are, you know, there are there are some, some that are quite pop, and so it's just are a waltz, and some are yeah. yeah that's I mean, right. It's just, just we were so lucky to find Daryl Wallace. We actually just put a Craig uh, Craigslist. That's the wrong country. Yeah. A um, Gumtree <laughs> ad up, um, and Daryl responded, and we went and met with him once, and just kind of said, "This is the idea for the show," and threw a couple of things at him, like we'd like to do this song, but in this way, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, plunk 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 plunk," and he can just whip it out. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm going to try and find that. I'm going to play the Susan Vega track right now. Obviously, it's not the version in the show, but we have to play that right. Talk amongst yourselves while I look. Matt Parsons and Russ Vickery, thank you so much for joining us. And um, your production, My Other Closet, the Cabaret, runs from July 15 to July 28 at Bella Union, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton South. Now, for tickets, if people want to book them, where do they go? They My, go yeah. to www.myothercloisetthecabarethuge.com. Lovely. Uh, thank, thank you so much for yeah, joining thank us. Thank you so much, guys. That was fun. And um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing the show. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So this is the track you were just talking about. No, this is Lucas Suzanne Baker. And you're on 3CR. You're listening to 
My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I live upstairs from you. Yes, I think you've seen me before. Listening to 3CR Community Radio.
Midnight Run. We also had a bit of duck sauce in there with Big Bad Wolf. It is 4.38. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James Nevent. We have a guest it in the studio. Too. Yes, we are joined in the studio by Naveen Abdeladin. I hope I said that correctly. Yes, yeah, uh, She's a DJ and queer woman of colour. Um, she plays trumpet with Candy Royal and Freed Radicals. Mm-hmm. Hi, thanks for being with us. Okay, thanks for so you me. just got back from San Francisco. I did. Jet lag. I'm... Uh, feel a little bit out of my mind so okay. <laughs> just bear with me if it gets weird that's right so you're DJing uh this weekend I DJed last night oh it was last night uh-huh. yeah right so that was uh what a similar thing to what you're doing in San Francisco um it was at a, um, a weekly party called Honcho Disco mm-hmm. um which is run by John Pants um and it's an evening of drag performance um DJs dancing queerness Family, loveliness, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. Yeah. Well, are, are, are you going to go? Well, I was just going <laughs> to ask you about the male domination of the yeah. of the music industry. It's rare mm. in this country to have uh, a queer woman who's black DJing. You know, it's a it's a glass ceiling. It must be hard to smash through. Look, our 
you know, we I, I live in a little queer bubble in Sydney and it's extremely supportive um, and nurturing and, um, you know, where there aren't many spaces for um, even female DJs, um, let alone people of colour, um, our community creates them. So, you know, I have lots of opportunities. I've got lots of work. Um, and, yeah, I feel very fortunate, actually. Mm. So yeah. well, the music industry then, what you were just touching on, is it's, it's a boys' club. Definitely. At, 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 at nearly every level, mm-hmm. right? So, right. Where, yeah, where does queerness then fit into this boys' club? I mean, you're Look, in the queer bubble, as you say, in yeah. Sydney. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I... I just I'm not sure that it does fit in mainstream mm. in in the mainstream world really. Um I mean how many queer artists do you see um in the mainstream media? And often they play straight people. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I know. Yeah, it's um it is a problem. I feel like people are becoming more aware. Um, however, it's going to take a very long time to um, change that kind of culture, I think. Because the buzzword at the moment around some community organisations, some activist organisations, some universities is intersectionality, mm-hmm. where, for instance, you know, your, your, your queerness intersects your feminism and your blackness. Is, is, yep. that, is that an issue that, that, that you're kind of, you know, mindful of? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I'm mindful of it um, definitely with what I play. Um, so, so it affects the tracks you play? Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. In what way? Um, so um, I've played a bunch of um, fundraisers. Um, so one was to get the Tiwi um, Sister Girls to Mardi Gras and I played only Indigenous music. Um, and, you know, that takes a bit of research because it's, once again, not presented to us. Um, and I played recently um, a fundraiser for the Gender Centre in Sydney and I tried to play only trans and non-binary artists. So Was that difficult? It must have it was, been to it, find Yeah, them. it is. It, it really is. We, we, you have to really dig deep. You have to ask people, the people around you. Um, it's not easy to find out this information. Unfortunately, some some of your work. Um, so there's a DJ set that you played in 2015, mm-hmm. and it incorporated speeches and poems from uh, uh, Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. and you even had Julia Gillard. Yeah, so she what, was in what, the what, act. What, well, speak a speech of hers. Yeah, right. right. So you actually, yeah. How did you incorporate yeah. that? Well, I just kind of um, that that was the misogyny, that famous misogyny speech right. that she presented in Parliament, and uh, I managed to find the speech and just weave it through some electronic music. You mm-hmm. know, just played over the top. So, mm. um, and Maya Angelou, what of hers did you? It was phenomenal woman. Okay. Um, and yeah, there was a few, you know, favorite. So, so the way that that happened actually, it was a Mardi Gras party um, um, presented by a group in Sydney called the Glitter Militia. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, Justin Shoulder and Matthew Steg um, and a bunch of other people um, put on an alternative Mardi Gras party, and it coincided with International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they asked us to, you know, whether if we could weave through some of our favourite feminist speeches. Um, And that was actually, at the time, um, even technically quite a challenge for me. Yeah, right. So, um, I, yeah, but I was really, really grateful for that opportunity because I really enjoyed it. So you remixed Julia Gillard. It would have been awesome. (laughs) Did you think about sending it to her? Because I would have loved to have (laughs) got her reaction. No, I didn't. But that's a good idea. (laughs) She had a good week, actually. Apparently, I read something the other day that um, uh, going uh, in terms of um, um, legislation around education. She's the 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 most productive. Oh yeah, with the hung parliament, right? No, the the most productive uh, prime minister that Australia's ever had. Wow. See, that's interesting, isn't Apparently. it? Because, because to what extent do you think that the fact that she's a woman actually undermines mm. that in terms of people just don't talk about that legacy, do they? Mm. Well, yeah, she was. Uh, if, I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of things that were quietly passed through um, uh, through the Senate because of her. Uh, no one, I don't know. It's, mm. it's and people really said, really "Oh, it's because she's a woman. She's got well. better people skills." That was one of the right. Things insiders were saying, even from the Liberal Party, like mm, um, mm. Kerry Chikoroski or whatever her name is, who used to lead the New South Wales <laughs> Liberals, she was saying that, you know, Julia Gillard, Gillard did it better than what she thought the blokes would have. 
in the same position. Right. And I think Turnbull's kind of proved that, hasn't he, really? Uh, well, yeah. We, he we hasn't don't... got a hung house, but he's kind of got a hung Senate with Hanson. Mm, mm. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wanted to we go digress. back to... Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Back to your music for a moment. So, <laughs> Kent, so you do... Sol- you were, you're a trumpet player, but you're DJing as well. So some mm. of the tracks I've been listening to you... Uh, two of your so the freed radicals Mm -hmm. so that's a that's not a solo project no 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 that's uh so no it's a band um so candy royale is a poet activist incredible human Mm. um and she um does a lot of solo stuff but also um uh, has a band so the band is um sort of I guess improvisational to an extent, mm. um, and the members are um, Michael Howard Wheatley at the moment, um, Nick Horweg, and um, Shane O'Neill, and Betty Grumble as well, who is MMA. Um, oh my god, I can't even remember her last name. Um, uh, but yeah, she's a, she's an incredible burlesque um, performer, but also sings and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, all together we are the Freed Radicals. I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, sexism in mm-hmm. uh, the music industry. Mm. So um, women's entry point really into, well, let's just stick with pop music then, shall we now? Oh, but I mean, there's it, nearly every genre. Uh-huh. Um, Sexualisation of women, that's kind of, uh, that's that's where it starts, right? Otherwise, um, you don't really get your foot in the door kind of thing. So that brings me – I wanted to ask you about artists like um, – we'll move to America for a moment, so like Rihanna and Beyonce and mm-hmm. uh, Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. Are they – I guess what I'm, <laughs> I want to ask, the difference between sexual objectification and sexual liberation, are they often mm. look the same? Mm-hmm. Um, are they good for the industry, do you think, someone like Beyonce or Nicki Minaj or Rihanna? Look, I think um, I think those uh, – I think Nicki Minaj of all those I think I find is um, probably a bit more pro- provocative, um, I find, than Beyonce and Rihanna. Um, and I think that – I think that when women can reclaim that power, that sexual power, um, I find that incredibly inspiring. Um, and I think it's, yeah, look, it's a fine line, mm-hmm. you know, exploitation and... and um, liberation. Liberation, mm. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, look, I think that, I think that they skate that line. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they do exploit, they, you know, especially physically as well. I mean, all these women look... Perfect. I'm going to say that in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder whether um, if they looked like an average woman, whether they would be as successful as what they are, you know, and that's saying a lot. Right. I mean, Madonna touched on that in her, uh, would she win the uh, bull- Billboard Woman of the Year speech? James and I were discussing. Was that last oh, year? Really? I can't or believe she even won it with that she speech. Won- <laughs> it was so boring. No, no, no. The spe- you're thinking <laughs> oh. of the speech at the Women's yes. March. Yes. No, and her speech at the, the Billboard. It was, it was better, woman- was it? Woman- oh, it was amazing. It was great. Yeah, she talked about the, the sexism that she's um, endured her entire career mm-hmm. and that she's held to a different standard to, to what men are in the industry, you know. Um, for instance, she's not allowed to age. Um, Mick, right. Jagger, Mick Jagger can. Uh, yeah. She can't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, her speech was amazing. But, uh, yeah, she touched on that, that um, perhaps, um, yeah, you, if, you're not, if you're not cute... Mm. <laughs> Um, then no, maybe you won't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, Do you have the same access? If you're not I don't sexually think so. appealing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a major problem. Mm. It's a major problem. Like, remember that campaign that Alicia Keys um, did about, you know, the no makeup kind of thing? Do you right. remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. You know, where she kind of claimed that she. <laughs> I. Sorry to say, I have some in- inside information that she was actually made up. For that campaign, so, the no makeup, not yeah, she was campaigning she was wearing, against she was wearing makeup. makeup. Wearing so makeup. you know that's. 
problematic. It's really problematic. Really? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. that's really shocked me. Yeah. I, I, wow, I actually, God, they got me. Yeah, I know, they got everybody. I thought that was they? legit. She got me too. I look, I look at one of the very album covers and I think, oh, doesn't she look awesome without makeup? Go, right. girl. Yeah. She did have makeup on. She had oh. makeup on. Mm. You so know? this is like in advertising too, obviously, you know, the Dove the Dove beauty campaign, you know, that was the same sort of thing, like real women. Mm, but yeah. the real women still look kind of like supermodels. Like airbrushed and, <laughs> yeah. you know, photoshopped and all that kind right. of stuff. I just, yeah, I don't, I'm very sceptical. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, especially kind of. Yeah, knowing, knowing. So it's that. like, what do we teach young, you know, women who want to, who young musicians or aspiring mm. female musicians, pop stars, even whatever? Mm. What do we, what do we tell them? You know, how do they? <laughs> Look, I, you know, haven't we always said, you know, be yourself, and you know, it, the way you look doesn't matter, and all that mm. kind of stuff. But is that real? I don't know. Well, no, it sounds like not. how you look really does matter, unfortunately, yeah. doesn't it? You yeah. know, but I think you're Especially so right. If you're female, yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. that double standard. You can be a guy and look crusty, and that's like a, a plus. You're Mick <laughs> well, Jagger, hey. Yeah. But if, if you look at Madonna in her hands, it's like, oh, whoa, she's aged, right? You know? Or just the fact that they know what her age is. Mm. It's that right. you know, sort of like, oh, what's she doing? What what's she doing wearing leather pants? And isn't she a bit old? You for know, that? isn't yeah. she old for that? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. I mean, she's getting plastic surgery, like you know, around the and clock. And she's Madonna. Imagine what it's like for you know for a regular. Woman. Woman. Yeah. Or even just a right. regular performer. Right. In the industry. Yeah. It seems to be, I guess because it is what we started out saying, is, you know, that it's a boys' club. Mm-hmm. It's that it, uh, it's what's sexually appealing to men. Mm-hmm. That's That seems to be, that's the over-talent. It's, are you going, are you sexually desirable? And it's provided more, by women. That's it's more just kind of wrong, than, isn't it? You know, right. that, that whole prism. Yeah. Right. And yeah, this is this is. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a question that we can even. I don't know how we can break through that. I don't know either. Mm. I don't know either. I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll keep trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every which way. Now, I wanted to play a track of yours. If that's okay. a, a, a Candy Royal track, right? Talk amongst yourselves again while I'm while I'm looking. Um, Which track are you going to play? Well, I was listening to a whole bunch yesterday and it was the one uh, when you were young. Oh, when I was young. That was a great one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. first of all because you name-checked like a bunch of musicians. um, There's Salt and Pepper and On Vogue. Mm -hmm. Um, Tupac. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I can find the damn track. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. So... No, I don't. Yes, I've got it. Yeah. So Sloppy Joe? Yeah, that was the band pre the Freed Radicals um, because the bass player changed and we kind of – Sloppy Joe actually were a a band that was together for like 20-plus years Mm. um, with two of the members of the Freed Radicals but a different bass player. And so that bass player moved on and we got a new bass player and then the name changed. Cool. Well, we're going to go out with that track, I think. And Naveen <laughs> Abdullahi, it's been awesome chatting to you. Thanks so much for joining us today on 3CR. And um, I hope you get over the jet lag. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Safe travels back to Sydney. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah, cool. All right, so this is When I Was Young. And you're on 3CR. I said that so I said that so white, if I may say so. <laughs> when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the 80s, wore neon without irony and happy pants that billowed like the big tunes I listened to, such as new kids on the block who were taken step by step. Oh baby, gonna get to you girl. When I was young enough to know the joy of a famous crush and not give a shit that it was bad music, um, I listened to Tupac Shakur when teenage angst set in and You claim to be a player but I bust your wife We bust some bad boys, brothers bust for life ah. While I was living about an hour from Sydney in the bush, yo But it was still ghetto out there with the snakes and spiders Didn't know if I'd survive, yo I listened to Salt and Pepper as they pushed it real good Using hairbrushes, mic and mirror 
mirror's audience I sung along with on Vogue And implored my reflection to free your mind Wore my clothes back to front for one day Which is about as long as crisscross would have made you jump, jump, ah I watched Will Smith back when he was a babe in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Tried to secretly watch Beverly Hills 90210 When my parents weren't looking, they didn't want my mind to rot Even then I knew I didn't want to grow up Wasn't eager to drink or explore sex Just wanted to climb trees with my dog Her name was Bonnie, she climbed trees and barked at rocks My first time on a computer was a Mac with black and white screen But I wasn't that into it More interested in listening to Mariah Carey calling for her Dream lover, come rescue me Take me up, take me down, take me anywhere you want to, baby, now. Could I be that dream lover? That's when shit got confusing and I was like, hang on, did I name my two cats Mariah and Kerry because I like her music or because I think she's hot? Uh, true story. My first experience of death was when Mariah was killed by a car, the cat, not the singer. A couple came to our door holding her broken body. I buried her near a dam so she could always drink if she was thirsty. I made love for the first time when I was 15. She was my best friend. What can I say? I'm a walking cliche. We were both into Jodeci. I'd stand on top and be like, uh, I want to Every freaking night and every freaking day I wanna freak you, baby, in every freaking way Even though I didn't actually know what freaking meant I drank my first lemon rusky with her at my first proper party We went and laid in a paddock on wet grass I remember the moon, her skin, how everything made sense and I wasn't afraid I smoked my first cigarette around the same time Hated it but was determined to like it All the cool kids were doing it Took my first choke on the back of a bus Then Mark grabbed my hand, put it on his penis And I was like, is that it? Is that what all the girls are talking about? I fought with my parents incessantly Like many kids fantasize I was adopted Hated being a wog and the wogs knew it But the skips, well, they didn't welcome dark-skinned kids Had trouble at school cause I couldn't engage would rather sit and listen to TLC Creep, yeah Or watch the Titanic, don't worry I'm not gonna sing anything by Celine Dion Maybe Dangerous Minds for the thousandth time As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left uh, I really wished I was from a ghetto Suddenly I hit Struggle Street Had flashes of shit that happened when I was a real young kid Tried to lose myself in poetry and music one day, there was a pretty close call. I decided I couldn't take it anymore. I stepped into my backyard, which was 12 acres of bush surrounded by National Park. I walked further into the dense scrub than ever before. The sun sent rays to scorch calves and forearms, scratched red lines crossing skin. As I looked at them sweating, I wondered how much I wanted to die. Half an hour later, I came to a natural clearing with many large flat rocks. Between two of these, a huge crack ran. In the center of that fissure, in the center of the clearing, rose a gum tree, beautiful with brilliant branches, laden with leaves making music, and nailed to its trunk was a hand-painted sign that read... The Magic Tree. I sat beneath that glorious gum until the sun reached its peak, then began its descent, leaning against its solid trunk. I knew I wanted to live. Now I had this magic tree. Anytime I got too much, I'd come here. And, and I did. When shit got heavy, I'd trace into the bush with my Sony Discman and dance to Prince. What a raspberry beret. Kind of find in a second hand store. While the kookaburras looked on, I'd sing along with Michael Jackson. And if the snakes tried to come near, I'd get all Grandmaster Flash on them. Huh. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Check out that, that name checking in that song. Plus, I love brass. I'm a sucker for brass. Um, yeah, that was when I was young. Candy, Royal, Sloppy Joe. That was Naveen Abdelati's band or one of her musical ventures. And thanks to Naveen and also Matt Parsons and Russ Vickery yeah. for joining us on the show today. And, of course, Russ and Matt's production all about um, the closet and cabaret and domestic violence will be at Bella Union. Mm. So um, check out Bella Union's website for the details for that. I actually really, really – you know, speaking of what I'm a sucker for, brass, cabaret. 
It's one of the reasons why I want to move to New York. I haven't been there, but I'm pretty sure I would love it. You'd love it. I want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, it's 4.58. Before we head off, I have a thank you. We have a thank you. We have a huge thank you. Amy, Amy, we Amy love you. Has just, we love you. Um, has just donated a hundred to our show. Hundred bucks. I know. Amy, you are a legend, I, and we love you. You and are thank a legend. You. Yeah, I think that I think we're pretty much we reached. I think, I think we've, we've reached our target. We are very close. We if must we have be. It. Yeah. Oh, it's been superb. Thank Amy, you, thank Amy. you. I know, as if we didn't love her enough already. <laughs> Well, what are we going to go out on today? Um, this has been a great show. It's been a fun show. Great Seriously. guests. <laughs> and we'll be back next week on Your Face. Taking us out is Beth Dito, Fake Sugar. Have a great weekend, oh, everyone. Nice. Yeah, have a good weekend. Bye, everyone. I get so sick and tired of feeling sick and tired when the lonely gets old on the wrong side of the road between the leaves and the velvet snow I got lost in your eyes handbone handbone where you been around the world and you're going again Sunny days and I'm getting paid It's welcome back the very next day listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.